Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello everyone, I'm Sam Fry and welcome to Technique, the podcast where we talk to artists about how they're using technology. Today I'm talking to an artist who has their own podcast. Plus we're going to focus a little bit on creativity. The good part, the bad part and the darn right ugly. I'll tell you more after this. So today's guest is artist, technologist and consultant, Layla Johnston. If you don't know much about her, well, this is her describing what she does. I'm Layla Johnston. I'm an artist, a curator, a writer and a consultant, I suppose. I I speak at lots of different kinds of things about technology and art-related issues and ideas, mostly. I do a lot of stuff with creativity and thinking about how that emerges from art and technology, I suppose. There are many things that you might know Layla for, especially if you listen to podcasts. Until quite recently, she had a podcast of her own called Hack Circus, which was part of a larger artist collective that she ran. Plus, she's one of the co-hosts of Shift Run Stop, a podcast all about creativity that she has been involved in for about 10 years. Layla's also written lots of books, including some where you choose your own adventure. And she's currently the digital curator at the Sight Gallery in Sheffield. In this podcast, we talk quite a lot about her work, but we also talk generally about creativity and how that can be fantastic, but also a bit of a curse. So let's listen to some music and then get into the podcast. One thing you didn't describe yourself as at all there was so the kind of comedy side. No, which is, yeah. but actually, I think that seems to be quite a big part mm. of what we do. Well, it's something I've been thinking about recently because I the last couple of weeks I've been working on my website, which is well, actually, I'll just say now because it'll be finished by the time this goes out. It's just my name dot com, Johnston dot com, is now my sort of portfolio site where I've just tried to really streamline what it is that I do, I suppose. So yeah, no, you're right though. I think I, I do kind of downplay the humour stuff, and that is the main thread that has gone through everything I've done, uh, or a lot of the stuff I've done. And I think that's partly because I feel it might put people off, or might make people not want to hire me or work with me and actually as I say that I feel like that's ridiculous because it's it's an interesting thing isn't it that you think that's something that maybe would differentiate somebody but yes in terms of my potted background was yeah you're right I I always wrote things I always made magazines and comics and things even as a child and I always sort of thought I was going to be a writer I suppose after I graduated I did a history of art undergraduate degree in uh, York and then I did criticism and culture at Cambridge which is like a critical theory degree that's my MPhil and then I got a job as a an editor a deputy editor on a national magazine which I did for over a year I think I was always in the background making stuff and I was making things with the internet and one of the things I was making was comedy websites I just thought it it was fun I just I couldn't stop myself and make making all these stupid things and one of them got found its way to a publisher. And so I had an email from a publisher one day when I was at work doing my job, which I was starting to dislike a bit, this, this job as a magazine editor. I don't know why. I think about it now. It was an amazing job. I don't know what, I, what my problem was. Yeah, I had this email saying, would you be interested in turning this website into a book with us? 
and I was just like, oh my god, yes. They ended up commissioning a few books from me, three, I think, in the end, in total, in fact, I know. And that was great, so it was just kind of joke writing and comedy, and I thought, well, this is going to be the future, I just need to do, I just want to do comedy stuff. So I wrote things for uh, Radio 4, and I worked with a few comedians and did a few things like that. This was like in the sort of 2008, 2009. And I started editing blogs for Shiny Media at the same time, so I was always doing writing and editing. And then I felt like it was amazingly frustrating trying to break through a bit with the comedy. I found it really hard and really sort of depressing after a while. So I just went for a job and I, I became a copywriter at an agency in London. But again, all the time making stuff on the side and doing weird things because I, I couldn't... I, I saw this video recently about creative people. He's a lecturer and he's just like being filmed in a classroom speaking. But he's talking about creativity and how it's a curse. I think it is called the curse of creativity, this particular clip. It's, he said it's not necessarily a good thing to be creative. It's something that uh, you have no choice over and you can't stop it. And it's like being a tree that can't stop growing. So you can't stop producing fruit. So if you try and contain yourself and just kind of people always saying to me, just go and get a proper job for God's sake. Stop, you know, you're making your life so hard for yourself. But the problem is that I do just keep making stuff. I can't help it. I have an idea and I have to do it because it makes me so happy to make these things. So I, I sort of sit in these jobs and become gradually bent out of shape like the, the awful, tragic tree. So I think seeing this was happening, my boss at the, at the agency where I was working put me and my also very creative, talented friend, Duncan Goff, together and said, you're now going to be the head of our labs wing of the agency we're going to have a labs department you're going to come up with stuff that's you know arty and technical and interesting and we're going to see if we can develop any of them as a product so for about I don't know half a day a week we would just sit down and invent things of which none ever got made and all of them went down really badly with the team because they were so impractical and, and sort of artful and silly compared to um, I think what they were expecting which was probably well, soon after we both left, they, they invented a, a bouncy ball that teaches kids to program. And I thought, oh, that's what they wanted. <laughs> that was it. Not the time-traveling robot idea that we had. And Duncan now works as the tech lead at the V&A Museum. So he's just, you know, I was just holding him back. He's doing amazing things now and, and still doing stuff on the side as well. I escaped that job by applying for a residency in Sheffield, which was technologist in residence at the site gallery, which was supposed to be a sort of initiative to put technology experts, if you like, into the art world and see how the cultures influence each other. So it's quite a kind of subtle, cultural, open-ended thing. So they literally embedded us. There were three pairs of technology people, and some of us didn't know each other at all. I didn't know the guy I was paired up with before we were teamed up. They just dropped us into the site gallery in Sheffield and said, you know, you're now you're properly embedded in the institution and you've got three months to just do whatever. And it was so much fun and because it was just like complete freedom, you know, just make whatever you like, see see what happens, engage with the uh, with the organization. But it was quite frustrating because you realise how how different the arts world is to the sort of digital world and the agency world in the in the sort of timescales and the efficiency and the priorities I suppose are really different which is nice because the priorities are more sensible and a bit more humane but there were problems like the first few things that we did involve things basically like fixing the printer and the director carrying around two laptops all the time because one of them had no memory and the other one had no battery <laughs> so she had to have like a stack of laptops 
And then I just really liked Sheffield, so I stayed and bought a house and carried on just kind of taking different bits of interesting work. Um, Generally, things come up. People approach me and say, can you do this? Can you edit our website for a bit? Or can you make something? And started applying for more, because I felt a bit like we'd been artists in residence, really, at the site gallery. So I started applying for more art-related projects and trying to see myself as an artist more and did quite a few residencies after that. And which you'll see on my website, ladyjohnson.com, all my residencies. And that's been the last kind of five years, has been doing a mixture of journalism stuff, technology journalism, and writing about the arts and doing residencies. And I had an exhibition at the Lowry last year, which was ridiculous because I've only been an artist for like a year. <laughs> and it's like, surely somebody else should have this spot. But no, that was, that was an amazing thing to, be, to fall in my, into my path, I don't know. And now I suppose I, I made a big decision at the beginning of this year to just stop applying for things because it's a real downer and you, you get such a short, a small percentage of them. And also I realised I was using it as a bit of a sort of, like a bit of a gambling addiction, just constantly applying and applying and applying because it's so easy to send out ideas because that's what I love to do anyway. And then you just kind of hope that you'll get one back and then you're really grateful that you're getting like 500 quid to do something that's going to be really arduous so it became quite unhealthy I think the application thing for me so I decided to stop that and then as soon as I stopped it quite a few opportunities seemed to suddenly come in and I thought oh maybe I've kind of changed my attitude to the universe and that's been a good thing so that's where I am now in in towards the end of January now yeah and I I work at Site Gallery now after five years after that residency they've now hired me as their uh, digital art curator so I I do events for them at the moment because the buildings being expanded so they've got no space so we're just doing events in the programming now i was looking at amazon reviews of how to worry for oh, yeah. inconvenience people <laughs> which i'm sure you're aware of like this but i i don't know if these are your I never look your at, friends or I, no i never look <laughs> at the amazon reviews no that's probably shielded me from <laughs> a great a great pain but the, that, oh, that somebody book seems, was, someone yeah. seems to have taken something quite literally around mm. insulin pens, I think it was. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. No, I used to... The thing is, as well, there are loads of things now that I wouldn't say and wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't put in pictures and wouldn't put in books that I did then. And, yeah, there was a joke about an insulin pen, which I can't even remember. But, yeah, it probably was offensive. And there are jokes in Enemy of Chaos, which are really offensive, to a lot of people but people really liked that and it was like it was a kind of an, a geek community game book thing that I, it was it was a spoof game book Cory Doctorow from Boing Boing really liked it and he said it was like one of his favorite books of the year and stuff and he's like a sort of geek hero but there was so much stuff in it that was a bit like are you taking a piss out of people with OCD you know is that okay is it like um and I don't think I would do that now so I think I've kind of maybe I've got worse over the years than just you know I've got more limits that I shouldn't have or something I don't know the book from what I can make out is all about funny ideas more than anything and playing on them so one of those was about taking insulin as a recreational drug and I think the review was essentially someone's mum saying well my my child needs to take this and they would find that really offensive but what was great about it is a lot of the other reviews playing on some of the other ridiculousnesses of of some of the the ideas in the book and say well yeah I do that or I, I do 
I do this. So yeah. people that get that sense of humour mm. kind of play on it as well. So yeah. almost it works in the opposite way. Yeah, yeah, it can do. Yeah, yeah. it's that classic thing, isn't it? If you if you do something offensive or you get a, a thing pulled, then that is the thing that you know makes it more interesting to people. Yeah, I think that might have been the joke. I remember talking to one of the publishers about it at the time and. <clears throat> and he was saying we should just in the next print of that book we should just have a blank page or something that just says like this joke censored or this joke was taken just like make a feature of it you know and um, make inc- increase the intrigue around what what was there but yeah I'd totally forgotten about that but that was 2007 now so you know it feels like I suppose it was only 11 years ago it feels like a lifetime ago though <laughs> The, the reason you came to Site Gallery initially and had that mm. collaboration was that because of the happenstance. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And and then talk about that. The pair of you mentioned that we're not really artists. We just we like Do technology we? a bit, and yeah. we you know we like making stuff. And so is this art? Probably not. But we we like doing mm. we like making stuff, and and we're going to be driven to make stuff. And we, everyone else seems to be artists on this program. But it sounds like you've changed your mindset, or you've yeah. whether that you felt that you've moved more into of the realms of being an artist or you I don't know you're just more assured in kind of your place in that world mm. I don't know what I think it, it's there. one of those things where you can sort of yeah maybe it's that like if you if you want to be a writer it doesn't really help to say you're a writer it helps to have you know if you if you want to be a a journalist then it just helps to have good pitches and be be able to string a sentence together send stuff out have that determination but if you ever say you know dear editor I am a writer who does this and that's kind of off-putting it's a bit sort of you know it's too much <laughs> and it's like what you're trying to prove whereas if you're going after creative opportunities then it does help actually to say I'm an artist and I think this is what I think I am because that's what they're looking for and there is a certain type of person well not a certain type of person but a certain like identity or something that is expected of you and if you rock up going yeah I'm not really sure if I'm really an artist then you're probably not going to get the funding it's a real it is a real problem financially so I think what was the first thing I did after I guess there was this it was kind of a gradual thing because after happenstance was 2012 oh, and then I went back to sort of editing stuff for a while and I didn't really make things for a little while I launched hack circus doing hack circus was something which made me feel more like an artist and a curator actually as well and an editor so it's like all the things I like doing wrapped up in one but I kind of I can use it as I can say it was a an artist collective and you know I was in charge of it so that's quite a good thing to be able to say when going for artistic funding but now I'm feeling a bit more like well I don't know if it helps me anymore because I you know to have that label and it is I mean it's still helpful and I'll still put it on my website because I've had an exhibition and I've made things for you know I've I've got one of the new work awards at the Brighton Digital Festival and the British Science Festival commissioned me to do something as well so there have been sort of things that have been proper now and for me it's not enough for a living so I'm still thinking like is there some I don't know it's so hard because I know that if I try and go right I'm just going to go and try and make a full-time living doing whatever editing I'm just going to do editing or I'm just going to do writing or I'm just going to make art objects then I'll always I won't be able to help it I'll keep doing the other stuff too and it'll, everything will break so maybe I should just accept my lot as like as someone who just does lots of different things I don't know I think there's lots of people in that that bucket I, I've talked mm. about it I've actually talked about it on these podcasts before mm. that whole curse of creativity Thing is a challenge. I I don't think I could ever just do a 
job and mm. not do anything on the side and even if you're doing something on the side you then go well, I will also do this yeah. and then you do this so it's hard finding that that thing that runs through the middle you mm. almost want that thing through the middle don't you and mm. then to, to be able to maybe do a little bit of this and that on the side but, mm. but really this is the thing is that is that essentially what you're about. Yeah, I wonder if if you if by the thing in the middle you mean a practice or like a yeah. job or yeah. right. Mm. It's kind of looking back on it afterwards. It kind of makes sense as well. <laughs> I think that's the other bit. That's right. Yeah. So sometimes you might go, oh, I need to look at that now. Essentially, my last job before I worked for technology company was at a very arts and craft mm. place, and therefore going from that to this would seem to most people is kind of like, oh, so you've ch- had a changing career or something mm. but it doesn't feel like that to me it feels like oh no I needed to I needed to do that I needed yeah. to find out about that and maybe I'll go back to yeah the other you thing. feel that urge sure. to yeah to, to see what's in that yeah. dark corner yeah mm. yeah interesting yeah I think it is that isn't it you do feel like <clears throat> you just sort of feel pulled to things and that is that's the thing today I need to know that I need to know what that is and work it out and understand it and I felt like I felt like that with dance actually I did a residency with Rombert just right down the road here supposed to be like the UK's contemporary dance company they're amazing that was really just because I thought yeah dance that's what I need to know about and it was just like a, a physical urge you know it's very hard to explain and, and maybe you shouldn't try and explain it and um, and they like you know obviously loads of people applied for that but for some reason I guess they saw that in me that I was like I have to be here this is the one and because of that it went really well because I had that sort of that draw to it that is very difficult to explain like you say though with time you kind of see the story that of the way that you do things don't you and what your thing is that you do and sometimes you do have to have a couple of years of working that out to see what the common threads are and it might not be might not be obvious to anyone along the way and it might not be obvious to anyone until you tell them either sometimes you might have to go this is what it is this is the thing that I do that's why it's useful making my website recently because I put pictures of all the projects I'd done and they were <laughs> I was like well they're all monsters <laughs> In some way, there's a mermaid, and there's a there's Cthulhu, the demon god of the sea, and there's you know a sort of slightly monstrous um, 3D scan, and like there was something about it that was, and there was like a sort of a it was me dressed as a um, one of the projects I'm doing at the moment is a residency with a former religious cult, and um, but it's like about AI. They want to do a thing about AI and AI and apocalypse. I've made like a priest's. Uh, stole with <laughs> and um and a dog collar and they're both it's all kind of themed on um apocalypse and ai and that there's words on them that are generated by an ai using text from prophecy from the cult mixed with the science prophecy of last year's letter from the scientists that they wrote to humanity this big letter so it's like sort of science stuff and weird prophecy stuff mashed together by an ai that just generates sentences so they're all they sound like great proclamations from some sort of mystic but then they have words like ozone and stuff in them because they're using the science stuff to anyway it's science technology and art and people and humor and how those things work together and often with a dark twist the thing i made for the british science festival was a a booth that you get inside and you can upload your consciousness to the digital matrix to ensure immortality so in order to do that you have to watch this video that puts you through all these creative challenges that are supposed to purify your consciousness so they have to do all these weird things like puppeteering and writing poems and things while they're in this box it's like a 10 minute experience and then at the end <coughs> you get this printout and it's uh, 
a postcard from your digital self saying like thanks for uploading me you know just to let you know your your body will expire in 24 hours so <laughs> make yourself comfortable <laughs> and then they have to take a slip that's like one of those uh, things that you get in a hospital the paper thing that goes around your wrist in a hospital and it's got sort of please move this body to whatever uh, printed on it and it's all very dark so yeah there, there's definitely a thing which you find out the more you do you see what those things are I suppose and you learn about yourself <laughs> which is kind of nice what's the process like with this one they it was quite nice because they just emailed me. They're, they're based in Bedford, this organisation that I was saying about that used to be a religious cult and it is now a sort of research centre for millennial religions. Um, and they've got a conference. Religion. Oh, mi- mille- sorry, millenarian religions, okay. which are basically they think the world's going to end. I think that's all it is. I think that's right. what it means. They're based in the building that used to house one of these religions, which was a, a new religion in the 1920s and 30s run by this woman who believed herself to be a prophet and thought that she was getting messages from God and stuff and then all these other women mostly moved into the building and some other buildings nearby and they all just kind of followed her word about what to do all the time and it was really weird but amazing really interesting place it's the panacea society and the panacea trust so if you get to go to the panacea museum in bedford anytime i recommend it it's really good but how, yeah they approached me i think they just must have typed in like ai and apocalypse into google and my name came up at like the top um, that's worrying in itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't know how they found me but they they headhunted me for residency which doesn't usually happen at all so that's quite nice and then yeah usually i think i get quite a lot of freedom i mean if it's something where they've approached me like that we well, yeah we'll have a conversation i'll find out what their priorities are they said to me they wanted something they were quite they're really flexible and they'd never done as with so many of my things they'd never done a residency before so they didn't really know that was like their first one but they said they thought they wanted something online they thought they wanted me to use the archives that they got which is lots of basically lots of photos and we just agreed on the time scales and it was quite sort of practical stuff they didn't say you know please make us something that speaks of this particular theme or anything so I could really do what I wanted um, I think they just they wanted it like that as well they kind of wanted to leave which is great for me as well but in a way it's harder to get started when there aren't so many cues because I, I did spend a few weeks I'm getting faster though I've noticed that but I did spend a few weeks just kind of thinking about doll's houses and sketching loads of things and getting really into that and trying to work out if I could do anything good with a doll's house and then I completely abandoned that. Wasted a few days just, but that's part of it. I think you do like you have a huge discard pile. Yeah, I think that's part of the process. That shows that you're getting somewhere, hopefully. Hack Circus was a thing where I wanted to make my own magazine that was kind of funny and dark and about art and technology stuff and when I say make my own magazine I don't mean write it all because people used to say oh did you write all these articles <laughs> it's like that's not how a magazine works I got lots of people I knew and people I didn't know to contribute things and we did that quarterly for three years and to tie in with those we used to do events so we did six events I think and 12 issues of the magazine that was something where I thought 
I know I can do some of this, but I really want performer to be the air hostess and I want somebody to write some stuff for this kind of alien script that's going to be boom, surprisingly boomed into the room at an expected time and I want someone to do that. And, and I knew that there would be people who would be up for it because they would be able to imagine it too, like I could. And that's really lovely when you can work with a group of people who all have really different skills mm. and all converge on the same kind of vision. Because you know if they're good and you get on with them, then that's all you need, really. You don't need to highly direct them or anything because they'll be able to wing it and it will be fine. <laughs> that's how my shows generally have worked. But no, I've loved doing those. That's, it's always been really good. But events are really addictive. You have to be really careful with events because you just end up trying to overcommit and do far too many because they're so much fun. One thing I often struggle with is describing what I do and what I'm interested in. In talking to Layla, it seems like sometimes she has some of the same struggles. How do you put a name on this thing that sits between art and technology? And how can you even name a thing if your interests are continually shifting? So I decided to ask Layla a little bit about that. Sort of hits a nail on the head like that. That is a problem for me that because I'm so uninterested in in containing things I suppose in a way in a way I am because I, I'm quite category focused <laughs> and I like you know I say I've always made magazines because I think magazines are an amazing way of categorizing information that just exists you accept that all those things exist together and they don't always have a consistent tone and they're not always part of the same uber plan or anything but because they're all between those two pages you you take it and go that's that kind of thing I, I get it and people are very forgiving of that, which is really nice. And it's the same with things like variety shows. I mean, if you go and see a live, amazing piece of entertainment and there's loads of different weird stuff that has a sort of underlying... I mean, Helenani does a great thing called uh, An Evening of Unnecessary Detail. It's an enormous range of different things, but you just know it's the people that they know and they like who they think are good, and that's enough. But for some people, that's not enough, and they do want to understand... That there's that it's a bit like something else, or that it's that they want to have some sort of rule that means that they they understand straight away that's that not that sort of thing and that is that sort of thing, and I realised that people didn't get that rule because they would email me and say, oh would this be a kind of hack circus thing and it absolutely wouldn't, <laughs> even though it was art and technology or it was a science project that involved art or something. And I'd be looking at it and go, no, of course not. What's wrong with you? <laughs> it's so obvious to me what this kind of thing is. And it was obvious to, I think, quite a few of the contributors. They got the same kind of sense of what it was. Psychologically, I think it was a bit of that kind of heavily burdened with fruit tree thing of trying to find somewhere to put all those things I wanted to make and finding a, a magazine and a show is a good place to put those things but I think the podcast was difficult because I, I ended up wanting to make it about creativity and I think that works if you consider the rest of the project to be about creativity which is a bit more of a psychological thing in a way than the magazine's a bit of a show and the shows are a show and psychological is a bit more of a, an introspective thing but then I did find people who were like show people anyway I suppose for the podcast who were quite starry and in in different ways whether they were like really inspiring innovators or really inspiring performers who knew about magic or improv or whatever it's there's something about them that I felt they all had in common and you know I I would never just just do interviews just to fill the spots if you see what I mean just kind of go oh well I've got this schedule so I've got to get these people in like that's the opposite of how I work I think 
but yeah so so hack circus finished last january and we did 12 and i always said i'll do 12 unless a miracle happens because i was self-funding it all as well but it broke even it amazingly it broke even and uh, so i came out feeling quite good about it and then site gallery in sheffield offered me this curated job because they were such fans of the magazine and the shows and they loved it so they were like we want you to do something like this for us <laughs> and uh, i was kind of not sure that would work but <laughs> i can do you a show uh, or an event series or something so it has been a, one of those things where if you do the thing that you really love and you make a really good job of it, make it really good quality, then people will be interested in you anyway and that will lead to other work, I think. That's my theory. Yeah, the other thing about Hack Circus, such a good name. Is, <laughs> and like actually, it? I, think, mm. I think it kind of summarises the concept of a circus. It's the same as that variety act. And it's yeah. a bit dark, which I like. Yeah, it's, it's dark, but it almost the, the podcast part is like being behind the scenes to it yeah I think you're right yeah totally I didn't really think of it as a kind of another layer behind the the show if you like but I think that's a really nice way of yeah I should steal that really put it <laughs> put it on all the info on all the literature the strap line for the podcast was behind the scenes of creativity which I, I sort of realized it was it was about yeah and I and I became I think I decided because I hate the winter and I, I'm a bit bereft this winter because I don't have anything to do specifically other than real work <laughs> um, but last winter I did loads of things and, and one of them was doing all these podcasts and also writing about I just I decided that I was going to do a regular blog about creativity as well so I wrote this blog which was actually really popular and people would sort of message me about it and say oh thanks so much this has really inspired me and it was, it was actually really lovely and I don't know why I stopped I think I just sort of decided I couldn't keep doing so much work for no money <laughs> forever um which is stupid because I probably could, but I, I stopped doing it and I might start it up again, actually. But that was a, that was me thinking I should be providing a public service like that. I you know I really felt like I should do something. That's with the Creativity Clinic episodes of the podcast, which were just little small sort of 10 minute mini episodes that are really easy for me to do because I get I think about something that had come up, like you say, that week or someone had emailed or tweeted me a question about creativity or something. And I would say, well, you know, this one comes in from so-and-so and I'm just going to talk about this for a bit based on my experience. And it just kind of felt a bit like I was... And I would get feedback, always like always quite positive feedback from people. Yeah, and it was that thing of like, oh, it's not just me making a mad mad box for people to get in or it's not just me making a space experience that people are going to forget about. In this is actually, a, you know, something I'm helping people I don't even know directly with some sort of advice. <laughs> that was quite nice. That's not the only podcast that you do or have done. Shift Run Stop is the other yeah. one, which I guess is longer running. I listened to your Christmas podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which I, I really liked because it was just a chat. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And actually, because I was coming in quite fresh to that, um, it still was quite nice to listen to. Mm. And do you see yourself doing more of those like podcast in the future you mentioned you might end up doing stuff with the site gallery potentially oh yeah no we've got that's that's now definitely on the cards yeah so i'm going to be making podcasts to go with the events that i'm doing for them um, which will be a little bit like the hack circus ones like a a chat with the speakers and they are in that sort of area again like people from art and technology worlds doing interesting things so we'll do a chat and then we'll go and do the live show probably straight after the chat yeah no I love doing podcasts I'd like to do more I was talking <laughs> as I met a load of people as friends yesterday they were all like yeah let's do a podcast together <laughs> like, God, how many more can I do but I did record two yesterday as well which was another episode of Shift Run Stop which is as you mentioned this long-running one I've done with with Rue for 
started in 2009, so almost 10 years in. And we will have at least two episodes that will go up this year. Sometimes we only get one up a year now. We used to do them every week, which is insane. And we always had a guest, and they were always a really good guest, like a an amazing like head of a company or a, a celebrity science presenter or something. Because he worked at the BBC, so we used to find loads of great people. But we haven't had a guest for a while, except yesterday we recorded one with a brilliant guest. So if you're interested in in this show, based on just knowing nothing about it, it's shiftrunstop.co.uk, shiftrunstop.co.uk. And probably by the time you hear this, the new one will be up with the guest. But yeah, I love it. And I love doing podcasts because, as you know, it's a great way to really meet people in a different way. And then those people often become... like long-term collaborators or people that you end up doing more things with I found and I think everybody I meet a lot of people I'm meeting over these two days in London I originally met by interviewing them for a podcast which is crazy when you think about it but the reason I invited them to interview because I wanted to meet them anyway and I thought I'll never get to meet them otherwise or it'll you know it'll be weird to just say come come and see me for a chat person like you've never met before so it's a lovely way to meet people if you're interested in people I would recommend making them yeah, I'd like to do more. I, th- I still have to do a few more hack circuses, I think, because I promised I'd do 50, and I feel like I've stopped at 45, so I've got a bit of a guilt thing about that, so I need to do, <laughs> I need to do a few more of those. And then um, maybe I have been talking to a friend about maybe doing something like a podcast that's doing some comedy stuff, so we can actually start writing some jokes again and stuff. So, yeah, there, there are things that will probably happen. <laughs> <laughs> So that was a very awesome Layla Johnston. You can find out more about Layla Johnston on her website, which is laylajohnston.com. She referenced this at one point in the podcast, but it's recently been done. And you can find links there as well to some of the other podcasts that she's been involved in, in particular Hack Circus and Shift Run Stop, which, as she mentioned before, she's still working on episodes of those. Plus, what I definitely recommend is following her on social media. If you're on Twitter, she is at Final Bullet, and you'll get a much better sense of her work and her sense of humour if you follow her there as well. Otherwise, that's all we've got time for this month. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. And as always, if you've got any recommendations of people we should be speaking to, or ways we can change or improve the show, just let us know. I also wanted to give a special shout out for Sean Miller, who made the music especially for this show. You might remember Sean from one of our previous episodes on blockchain and art. So thanks very much for that, Sean. If you're a musician and you're listening to this, hey, why not make some music for us too? Just get in touch with me on at Technique UK or contact me on the create-hub.com website. Anyway, thanks again and we will speak to you next month. Take care. Yes, we got another recording after the recording, but it's for a good cause. As I mentioned in the last episode, we are very proud to support the Lumen Prize, which is the largest digital art prize for artists in the world. It's now open for entries this year. So if you're a digital artist listening to this, why not enter? Here's Carla from the Lumen Prize telling you a little bit more about it to end the show. Hello, this is Carla Rappaport. I'm the director and founder of the Lumen Prize. 
The Lumen Prize is the global award for digital art. It was called the world's preeminent digital art prize by the Guardian Culture blog, and it aims to raise the understanding, appreciation, and enjoyment of art created with technology globally. Anyone is eligible to enter the Lumen Prize. All you have to do is go to the Lumen Prize website, lumenprize.com, and all the information you need to upload your work and enter is there. Design thinking has exploded into the workplace of the 21st century, putting humans at the heart of design. Or does it? Isn't it just the post-it note workshops? More importantly though, where did it come from? How did it become such a massive industry? And where on earth is it going? Is design thinking what is taught in design schools? And can it be used as a philosophy for the future? Find out more as we, Richard Adams and Sam Fry, explore these ideas with experts in the field on our first Technique mini-series about design thinking. Subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode.